This is Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder. Hey, welcome to Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder. I'm Molly Stillman, and this is a podcast where I sit down with a different guest each week and have raw, funny, often brutally honest conversations about the things that matter most faith, business, life, and everything in between, where we each learn how to be good stewards of the things we've been entrusted with, even our stories, and how we can use those things to serve others and leave our families, our friendships, and our communities a little better than we found them. I want to create a space where people are unafraid to be themselves and unafraid to ask the questions the rest of us are thinking. My goal is to make you laugh, cry, and laugh till you cry. My guest this week is my very good friend, Jenny Nuccio. Jenny is the founder and CEO of Imani Collective, a social enterprise and holistic women's empowerment program based in Mombasa, Kenya. She's committed to breaking generational poverty. She grew up in Texas and Jenny and her family now call Kenya home. And as an integral part of her Kenyan community for 10 years, her life's mission is to unleash greatness in women locally and globally through collaboration and equitable opportunities. She holds a doctorate. Yes, she is now Dr. Jenny Nuccio. She is a doctorate in education where her doctoral research focused on the resource gaps presented for social entrepreneurs and the challenges they faced in implementing change. She's the co-founder of the School of Ethical Impact, and she is also the author of the new book that is launching next month called Let It Be Wild. I was so excited to have Jenny back on the show. This is her second time on my podcast. She has become a dear friend of mine over the years, and I just love her energy. I love everything that she stands for. And I was just so excited to have her on the show and so excited about her new book, Let It Be Wild. I just got my copy in the mail. I just started reading it and she, her words are just beautiful. I'm so excited about this conversation and I know that you're going to love it. So without further ado, on to my chat with Jenny. It's an exciting day, everyone, because I have my good friend, Jenny Nuccio back on the show. Welcome, Jenny. I'm so excited. I don't know why I did spirit fingers, but here it is. I'm well, so excited. <laughs> for the listeners who can't see, Jenny did just do some very good spirit fingers. So that's how you know it's going to be a good day. Um, I This is just very exciting. I love you. You are not a stranger to the show, and you are now joining a very exclusive club of two-timers. You're part of the two-timers club. I'm sorry I don't have a velvet jacket. But it is coming. One day, uh, we will have velvet jackets for those who are two-timers. At least like nice patches, you know, like something uh, we could sew on. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Obviously, Jenny. Um, Yeah, so welcome back. I'm so excited. We were, before we even hit record, we were just like catching up, like as old friends do. If uh, you are new to the show and you're like, who is this Jenny Nuccio? Um, We'll make sure to link Jenny's past episode in the show notes so you can go and get to know her and listen to the Jenny 101. But Jenny, it's since it's your second time, you got to give us the Jenny 201. So tell us what have you been up to since the last time you were here, which I guess was, was it over a year? I don't know. I'm trying to even remember. I'm like, when was the last time we like sat down? I feel like it was like two years ago. But you know, time is like elusive. I don't know. Maybe it was only a year ago. (laughs) Well, and then also in in full disclosure, the day that we are recording this, I mean, it is May. This will air in May. But it is freaking freezing outside. And I'm just like, 
is it May in North Carolina? Like my husband came in at one point from working outside and he was like, I'm sorry, what month is it? Because it feels like December. Like it's just cold and windy and it's May and I don't understand it. So anyway, so I just traveled. So for you guys who haven't heard Jenny 101, I live in Kenya. So it's really, really hot here. Um, It's starting to cool off. So I'm like getting cool weather. But I was just in the States traveling for a week and I was like very hopeful. So when I was traveling in the States, it was in mid-April. I don't know what I was thinking. had like (laughs) flip-flops. I was like dressing like I live here. But I was did not bring a jacket. I did not pack accordingly because in my head, I just thought it was going to be very sunshiny. I don't know. And I was in California. I was in Texas, Tennessee, a little bit all over the place. And it was cold. I was cold the whole time. I was <laughs> freezing. So weather, so weather. So I'm hoping for warm weather, but what have I been up to? So yes, go listen to past episodes. Um, if you don't know me, I think before I wasn't officially doctor, I'm now I'm taking this like title proudly, Dr. Jenny Nuccio. Dr. Um, Nuccio. Woo! Yes. We're gonna insert. I cannot some, like, treat you. Uh, oh, let's. Oh, we should insert like the the. Da, the na, 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 na. Oh, or applause. <laughs> oh, applause. Both of them. <laughs> da, 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 da. And then I'll move. Yes, yeah. yes. And we'll hood me. Yeah, we're be great. doing yes. all of it. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, it's funny here in Kenya because anytime you're a doctor, they think you medically can treat them, and I'm like, oh mm. no no no, I'm not that doctor. I'm right. so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so can't treat you for any. I bet that anything is very like that. Confusing. But <laughs> it is very confusing. Um, but yeah, so I think I was like in the maybe nitty gritty of that. Um, but that's almost like two years ago. I feel like now or a year and a half. So yeah, that is finished and check off my list. And now I get to teach and do all those things. But you know what? I'm mainly known for is being the founder of Imani Collective. And the best thing that has been happening is um, the book uh, that I will be in your hands shortly coming your way, Miss Molly. Um, but what's so fun about this and this project is, and I guess coining, you know, like then taking on the title author is I started writing this as a reflective process. So I think last time, Again, I should have listened to the last episode. I no, was it's you. fine. But uh, in 2021, it was a wild roller coaster for me because I was in an RV with my three young kids traveling across the United States. So at that time, my kids were five, three, and one. We're in an RV. Yeah. <laughs> and I was writing my dissertation in the RV, like finishing all of that while still managing from afar, like Amani and our workforce, um, which we employ over 100 artisans. There's a lot of us. And so, just trying to manage all that. And I just remember I was like, I think as a lot of people who, if you're a dreamer out there or you have an entrepreneur or whatever it is, like we reach a point where we're like, we're just tired, right? We're oh. like, why did we get in this? Right. Right. What are we doing? <laughs> and I was really at that point. I was like, why am I doing this? Like there are, there, you know, there are wins, but there are a lot of, there's always lots of hard, you know, I feel like there's never a place that you reach. You're always continuing to grow or, you know, vision for the next thing. And I was just so tired. And so I just started actually writing stories at night when my babies would finally get to sleep in our small RV, right? And I would just be in the back writing stories and trying to remember my why, you know, behind Mm. what happened and why I started. And that eventually turned into this book. So it really was just started as a reflective process to remind me of like, okay, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is why I'm passionate about it. Like, let's remember all the beautiful, hard stories back then, but that now I can find joy and light and, you know, um, and just remind me of 
yeah, the just intricacies of my story. Um, and it's been so fun to be able to see it come to life. And in fact, um, I didn't let my husband touch it or see it or read it. And just yesterday I gave it to him and he's read like half of it. And it's really intimate for him because a lot of it is, you know, his story too. And he's part of it. And he like sent me the the cutest text in the middle of the day and was like, okay, I am bawling. This is like amazing. Like just him getting to like read through the story and like really process it because it's just, yeah, it's a beautiful, intricate story of like building Imani, but also like growing as a leader and yeah. And my like desire, I think at the end of it was like, wow, I like, I really hope people are inspired or see themselves in these like radical stories of, you know, and so it's cool when people read it and like, it evokes the emotions that I want to like come out of them of like, okay, I can be wild. The book's called let it be wild. So I want you to find your like wild spirit of what makes you come alive. And it's been really cool to like hand it to friends and see them do that. So I would say that is the biggest thing happening in my life. Um, but gosh, there's so many things with, you know, being a mama and running a business, teaching classes. There's a lot of things going on. Well, I'm so excited to, uh, for you. And it's funny because I think when you were here last time, you were you were finishing up your doctorate and mm-hmm. you were like finishing up your dissertation and um, you were you were working on the book, but I don't think it was public at that time. So it's really cool to then see on the other side, the f- the fruits of your actual labor. And, but I'm curious, like, I know you said that you, you were writing, let it be wild, you know, after the kids were in bed in this RV, but at the time, like, were you writing it thinking like, Oh, I'm going to turn this into a book or what, how did that really go for you? Yeah. So I think it's fun now, right? Because I'm like already like on to the next one. I'm like, Ooh, I like, I've always loved the creative process of writing and journaling. And, um, I think as I've gotten older, I've slacked in journaling and I more like send myself voice notes. I sound crazy half the time. Cause I'm like talking down the street to myself. <laughs> and then I listen yeah. to voice notes later. In fact, half of this book was like literally by voice notes. I'm like, and I'm just going to talk out this story and then yeah. like transcribe it later. Um, I think it's fun to see how people have the creative process, but I, you know, I think, I truly believe in the beginning, I always wanted to put my story to paper. There was a lot of people that would hear bits and, you know, like little bits of it and like, oh my gosh, like you should share this more. But I felt like the only story that was ever shared was like, oh, I sold everything and moved to Kenya and like this like generic. And I'm like, man, there's so much more to like just that and that origin story of just like the in-between, right? So I think when we see people as we were talking even off the mic, like we see people in Instagram, we see people on social or whatever, and we're seeing all of this, but we're not really seeing what's behind the scenes. I like to picture it of like that beautiful Thanksgiving dinner, right? Like it's so presented well, but we're not seeing actually what's happening in the kitchen of like how all of that got to be so beautiful. Right. And so I wanted that picture for people. Like I wanted them to be behind the scenes and be like, okay, you heard the origin story and now you see us, but like what happened in between? <laughs> like we're celebrating 10 years this month and yes. the month of May. And I know I'm so excited. And so it's like, that's a lot. Like what happened in this last decade to get from A to B? And so I know I wanted it to be shared, but the process of writing it wasn't like, 
okay, these are the stories I'm going to write. I just started writing and I'm very thankful. One of my mentors was in this process was Bob, Bob Goff. And he was like, Jenny, you just need to just like write stories, right. And just write your memories and write, you know, write it to paper and then it'll come together. Right. And I think that was my journey. That's not everybody's journey, but it was like, it does now flow in some chronological order. But when I first wrote it in my first draft of the whole book, it was like all over the place. I was like, Oh, I'm gonna have to put timelines here and do this here because I was like, no one's going to follow like, Oh, I'm talking about when I'm in fifth grade. And then I'm talking about when I'm 30, you know, it was like a little bit wild because I was just dropping stories everywhere. But I think it came together really beautifully and just taking these snapshots that really have created me to be me and my leadership to be my leadership. And then also like just my, a lot of it is my thought process of like changing, radically changing what we see as charity and doing it. You know, if you didn't listen to Jenny 101 and like my like expertise, I guess, is the social enterprise world and is being a social entrepreneur and how do we do impact that's sustainable and good right. and that's long lasting and it's not short and hurting communities. Right? right. So I'm always fighting against that narrative of like quick relief. Um, and how are we doing empowerment and development that is actually like aiding communities for long term? Um, and that they're the ones picking that up. It's not about maybe the person who had the idea in the first place, but in fact, that idea shouldn't even come from me or the, the, it should come from the community and we should be asking them. And so I think that is in the, like the core of the book is in that too, of like, what are you doing to really radically listen and, and create change, but like do it in a collective manner. Cause I truly believe we're only, you know, we're only stronger together and having community like this and creating partnerships. Um, and so, but I would say when I came to Kenya, that wasn't my that wasn't my thought process. I was young and naive and I grew into that, you know? So I think that's been a big part of the development of like kind of the transformation of my leadership as well. And so, yeah, but it's fun. It's fun and intimate. And when it finally got on paper, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's a very, it's a very like vulnerable process. I was like, well, here we go. Everyone now knows my intimate stories of like when I got drunk on a beach, there you guys, y'all are going to hear a chapter about that. So that'll be good. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I am in the book writing process right now. And so I very much uh, feel, feel those same tensions of, and, and mm -hmm. like you said, I love your analogy of like the Thanksgiving dinner. I almost actually equate it to because even when maybe I cook Thanksgiving every year and everything still looks a mess even. So I almost equate it to like baking a cake because like baking okay. a cake is not That's a good. clean process, but like the end result, hopefully is like a very lovely product. Um, mm -hmm. Now, I did not get a baking gene. My sister did. My sister is an amazing baker. Um, and I remember last year for Amos's birthday, this is a quick digression. Uh, he he got the flu on his birthday. And so my sister, like, obviously didn't want to come get the flu. So she didn't make his cake like she normally did. So I did. And I took a picture of it. And I sent it to John when I was done. And he was like, oh, that's so cool. Did you have the kids decorate it? And I, and I was like, no, no, I didn't. That was me. <laughs> So anyway. That's like me too. I like have multiple Pinterest fails where I'm like, "Ooh, I can do this," and then I'm like, "It was not nope, good. That was a, it was not that was good. not good. <laughs> it was not. Good. It tasted delicious, but it looked like the children decorated it, and I just decided to be like, "Yep, 
Mm-hmm. Yep, they sure did. Even though I'm a grown woman who made this cake. But all of that to say is that analogy is perfect of, you know, what you see is this, you know, quote unquote, like beautiful finished product, but you don't see the stress behind it. And, mm-hmm. you know, and even like we were saying before we were recording, it's just, it's a tricky balance because you do want to share the vulnerable truth mm-hmm. and ver- vulnerable reality of things sometimes to give people a glimpse behind the scenes while also you don't want to like air all your dirty laundry. And so, mm-hmm. and, and you don't want to be this like, mwah, mwah, like Debbie Downer all the time. Yeah. How have you, you know, obviously the book is a great opportunity to be like, here's a real look behind the scenes, but how have you navigated that in business and both in like your, you know, your quote unquote, like public persona? How have you navigated Mm -hmm. that over the last couple of years of alluding to things being like, hey, not everything is like roses, but yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? So first, it totally makes sense. So some of my top values is transparency and vulnerability, authenticity. Like I want to make sure that I'm always showing up in the most genuine nature. I also, some of the guiding principles at Amani Collective are um, radiate Christ's love, like steward our financials well, never be afraid of dreaming big, make sure you live the fearless life. Like we have very much um, core, 10 core principles that are on our workshop wall. And I always go back to that. Sometimes I forget to look at those because I'm like, oh my gosh, right. Doesn't living the fearless life doesn't mean you're going to be like not afraid. It just means we're going to be confident. We're going to walk through it. And even in this, even in adversity, even in this, we're still going to make innovative, creative and daring decisions, right? right? That makes sense that are going to steward, you know, our resources. Well, all of that to say my biggest advice. And I think what I, my biggest advice to myself or to anybody is like, even in those being my values, like the vulnerability, communication, all of that is not everybody has like, it is not our, like, not everybody has to be on the inside inside. Right. Like Mm. I love like our relationship, you know, we, you have close friends too. You know, I have close, like there are people in your life that you can, you can share intimate stuff in the, in the very deep of it. Right. In the, in that very moment that you can trust with that information. I don't think that everyone needs to be like in the nitty gritty when it's happening. Now, with all that to say, the book is a perfect example and even stuff that Amani Collective is going through in this refining process. Even right now, we've had to do tons of restructuring in the last six months. And I've been really actually pretty honest about that on social and things of just like moving our warehouse and kind of like downsizing and just being really smart with decisions we're making, but not having to share like all the like intimate um, details of that. But I will say if you are, especially if you're a leader in a space that then, you know, you use your own experiences to teach, which is definitely me, like I, we are an open book. I always say Amani Collective is a model that I want anybody to learn from. So like come to us, ask us how we do it. Like we are a hybrid model. I'm very honest with all, I do strategic coaching. So I'm very, you know, very honest and open book of all that we do in the background and how I can help others with mistakes or, or not mistakes that, you know, really good things that we've done. Right. Um, but I think there's a time and a place. So even like, intimate things happening right now within my personal life or business, that's not something that I'm necessarily ready to share or teach, but I do see it as a potential in a year to put in a book or to coach others on it once we've gone through it. And I think that, I think there's a difference 
I think there's this balance there, right? Like one, you shouldn't feel guilty. Um, if you're not sharing that in a space, I think some of us like put that, put on that pressure of like, Oh my gosh, I haven't shown up or I haven't done that. And I don't, I truly don't remember the last time I, I felt that on any platform across the board with my people, but I used to feel that like five years ago, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I have to show up every day and people need to hear from me. And, and I don't necessarily feel that anymore. I think I'm at a space where like my people who are right in front of me, I need to be present for them. And I need to make sure I'm, you know, right there walking alongside them and caring for them. So in all of that, I would say I I really value still showing up um, because I think that right there, people people recognize in the sense of like still showing up in an authentic way, but do not feel pressured where you, you know, you necessarily have to share, share all the things until you're ready. And I, you know, give people permission and myself permission to do that. Um, and I'm excited for, you know, in this restructuring and refining, even in the celebrations of 10 years in the book and all these things that I can't wait till we can come out the other side and be like, look, like, this is what we had to do. I feel for you and what you're going through. Like, let's walk with you in that. You know, my, yeah. my hope is always the experiences we go through. It will only be able to, to have a ripple effect and help other people. So I think that that is such a great perspective to have because it is when you are able to see, okay, here's what, you know, I learned from this particular experience and then use that to not only strengthen your own business, your own family, your own whatever, insert whatever, but then you can also teach it to others (laughs) and then you can Mm -hmm. help them get on the other side too. Now, I know you said that the stories were like wild at first. Like what was the, where did you get the idea for the title of Let It Be Wild? I always like to hear title origin stories. Yeah, I think, so my family has always coined me as the wild one. Um, My, all my family's in Texas, like home buddies, like they now love to travel. Like my family, we never traveled when I was younger. Like I did not travel until I was 18 years old to Kenya. (laughs) So, and then I traveled everywhere. But it's like before that, I had only been on a plane like two times, like to California, Florida. Like I just, you know, it, they were very quick trips. And I think the previous before 18, I had been the last time I had been on a plane was when I was like 12, you know, like with my mom. So it was like we just like that was not part of the nature of what we did, which is wild because that's what I do almost every week. I'm a, <laughs> like I'm on a plane um, going somewhere in the world. So I think that like just being the the idea of i look back and i'm so grateful for actually to be honest my ignorance at first and really me being naive because yeah. it created i think right when you're young and you're just like you have this like audacious bravery right it's just like and when i look back and my parents are like you are absolutely wild like you're absolutely crazy you're moving to the village like what does that even look like where's the nearest hospital i'm like why does that matter yeah like, why does that I matter didn't even who think, cares what what's going on? But now that I look back, I'm like, and being in my thirties now, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that was really stupid on some levels. <laughs> you know, like, what was I thinking? I was like single 18 year old, like, you know, and I moved when I was 20. So like I started everything. I've now lived a third of my life in Kenya. Um, been here working now. I mean, 13 years, like living here for a solid 10. Um, yeah, just wild. So but the, really the genesis of let it be wild was there is a there's a particular chapter in my book and it talks about when i went backpacking 
for the first time, like an extensive backpacking trip with Young Life. So I was really involved with Young Life when I was in high school. Um, If you guys are familiar with it, um, you know, so I am so grateful for Young Life. My parents got divorced when I was 16 and it just really kept me grounded. My Young Life leader, Lindsay. So she's a big core part of my story. And so I went on wilderness. And so it was the first backpacking kind of trip. And I fell in love with nature and backpacking. And there's this part in the story where they want us to do a solo day where we kind of go out on a day trip by ourselves. Like we just have our day pack and we just find a place to sit with God. And so I was going through brush and um, I finally hit this clearing and I'm literally like, I mean, I was like covered in branches and I finally had this clearing where it's just this like massive valley on top of a mountain. Right. So it's just this beautiful clearing and it was just me and it was just quiet. And it was like, one of the only times where I just felt the Lord was like so vivid of like speaking to me. And my life verse is Psalm 18, 19. And it says, the Lord brings me out into this spacious place and he rescues me because he's delighted in me. Mm. And it reminds me of that picture because it's like, I literally felt like he was holding my face and saying, Jenny, like, I'm so proud of you. And at that time I had, you know, I was, I was doing a lot of mistakes, like, you know, living a very big double life when I was 17, 16, 17, straight A student, but you know, throwing the parties on the weekend. There's just like this really like, yeah, kind of just turmoil. Anything that happened to you guys in college happened to me when I was probably 17, 16, 17. So I feel like everything happened a little bit earlier for me. So I was just sitting there. And so in that moment, it was like the first time I felt like free. And it was like, this is what it feels like to be like this wild soul, this like spirit. And that scene really was the genesis and kind of the foundation of the whole book of like, what is your wild? Like I've been saying, like using the hashtag, what's your wild? And what I mean by that is like, we each are so talented, right? And the Lord instilled so many talents in in who we are. Like your talents are not mine. Like, and that's the beauty and the nature of humanity. And so it's like, what gets you up in the morning? Like what lights your soul on fire? And I want people to be able to see themselves in, yes, in my stories, but see themselves and be able to parallel that and relate to that and like be like, "Ah, this is what lights my soul Mm. on fire. And I want to let it be wild. And I want to go out and use my God-given gifts, my innate talents to do good in this world, whether that's directly just in your family and your community, it doesn't mean you have to go across the world. Right. And so I think Throughout my whole journey, one of the things that has been so disheartening for me is when people meet me, they're like, oh, I can't relate because you sold everything and you moved across like, oh, you know, I can't, I can't relate to that. Like Mm. you just like went to Africa. Right. Right. And I'm like, no, like this is so much deeper than that. Like I just followed like that true calling that I knew every time I was there, there was this piece that resonated in my body and I knew I needed to be there. And in fact, moving to Kenya was one of the hardest decisions because I had a life in the States that I loved. I loved, loved, loved. And I left a lot behind and I cried my first month in Kenya. Like, why the hell am I here? God, Right. it was just a whole journey for me. So I think people see it as like, that was an easy decision. It was something I always wanted to do. And that's not the case. I had a very American dream mindset back, you know, 12, 13 years ago. And so I just want to remind people that like, it doesn't, it like you can find your wild in the mundane moments in life but we just get so distracted by life. And I just want to like ignite that fire back in people. But that is kind of the story of that wilderness trip was just like so raw. And it was the first time that I truly felt like really seen by God and like, okay, like this is what it feels like to like 
feel free and to Mm -hmm. like fully be like, what now, you know, and to trust, just trust that kind of that flow. Mm, That's so good. Well, I'm so excited about your book and I cannot wait to hold it in my hands and I cannot wait to read your words. And I've always just I mean, from the from the moment I met you, which I think if we told this story on the podcast the last time you were on, which was when you Probably. you came an entire day early to a to like a, a retreat that uh, Emily Gray and I were putting on, and you, we thought you were coming in on Sunday and Saturday night. There you were, and I was like, "This timed is my it, girl." Timed it wrong. Timed it wrong. Also, the fact <laughs> that good. you flew in from Kenya a day early and Ubered to Target. And then you Ubered to us with all of your stuff from Target. And you were like, well, so here's the thing. We don't have Target in Kenya. And I was like, I know that. <laughs> but the the best thing about it was like, you you bought necessities, like things you needed. But then you also bought like f- fake decorative plants and then like Dr. Yes. Pepper. <laughs> You had a whole suitcase full of like, I bought like, a I bought like succulents. Yeah, like it was little like, things, like little like, fake succulents. Like it's perfect office decor. Uh, it was just hilarious because it was like if I were and it, 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 yeah, it was just like a a regular old mom's Target run that you're gonna also like ship slash fly back to Kenya. It was the best thing. Um, and so that was like our first time meeting. And I was like, I like this girl. <laughs> we are cut from a similar cloth. Uh, you and I. Fantastic. It was good. Fantastic. Well, okay. So for the listeners, by the time this airs, you will still have time to pre-order the book. So you can go to letitbewildbook.com. You can find it on Amazon. Do you have like pre-order freebies? Anything that people need to know about? Yes. So... By the time you guys get this, it might already be sold out. But the first hundred books purchased on ImaniCollective.com are autographed. So Ooh. if you care about that, <laughs> Woo, my signature. Otherwise, you can you can go on Amazon. You can go on I don't know. There's a couple other links on LetItBeWildBook.com. Now, once you order, make sure you go back to the website because at the very bottom, if you put in your order number. You can get the you'll be sent the first three chapters digital digitally before the actual launch date. So the book launches May 29th. So all that's when the book will release. So if you pre-order, it'll immediately be, you know, shipped after that. But you can get those three chapters before the actual launch date. And so, and you also, I believe, I think yes, our team set this up where you get not only the three chapters, but you get a discount code for Money Collective. So you will get like a little promo code. I think it's like 15%. You can go on or maybe 25%. It's like, what? I don't know. I can't tell you the code. Go pre-order. <laughs> well, I'm very excited. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to shift gears just a hair. And because you've alluded to this a little bit, and obviously Amani Collective is a huge piece of your story, but I know that things have really shifted and, and look different today than they did even when we, when we last talked. And so I'd love for you to kind of just, you know, talk about some of the things, because one of the things that I think has been really fascinating that I've had, you know, these conversations with um, other business owners is the effects that the pandemic had on their business and just like the the status of the economy. And I mean, I just feel like there's like all these factors that are playing into how businesses are just, I, I feel like I'm about to 
use a word that has been overused a million times, but pivot um, because they've had to. And, you know, we've seen brands that I mean, I feel like I've known these brands for years that have announced that they're closing or shutting down. And every time I don't celebrate that, like, it's just sad. Um, But you know, here you are, you're still going and you're, you know, even though you have faced challenges, um, what have the last couple of years looked like for you? and, And what do you see on the horizon? Yeah. So one thing that happened right after COVID, um, the odd thing with COVID is we grew um, 116% during COVID. Yes. Um, And it was challenging because our, um, obviously online blew up. During that time, we helped with like essential things like making face masks. We actually, anytime you bought one, we handed them out here. Um, So we handed out like thousands of masks to our community in um, Mombasa and Kenya. Um, But the challenging part of that year was we also like we were barricaded in. I was super pregnant, barricaded in. We couldn't get access to our workshop. We had to like, we were getting more sales than we had ever had before, which was odd for us. Um, I mean, good problem to have, but it was just like, okay, and we can't even get to our workshop. So I would say for us, we were blessed with challenges in that way. What was interesting is moving into 2021, seeing kind of the change and shift post-pandemic. And 2021 wasn't really post. It was really 20, it was last year, 2022, we kind of saw post-pandemic stuff and we're still, I don't think the quote unquote new normal will will really come to play until another couple of years. Like, I think people are still figuring out what is this? Like, are we still working from home? Are we coming in? Like things like that across the world. Right. But I would say like, uh, the biggest thing that we did is we were at a place after a pandemic too, we had been running as a nonprofit. And so this is something my research was focused in for my doctorate. It's something that I do strategic coaching on, um, that we moved into a hybrid model and this, um, was challenging, but it was also a way of growth. Um, it was the first time I took on investment in our company. Um, I teach coach and teach a lot about that. Like there was all these different things that we did, um, for good. And there was, there was a lot of challenges in that. And so learning how to understand the hybridity model, there's a lot of ways to do that of running still a nonprofit, but also now moving into a business, keeping the core of our impact, but also, you know, paying for people and understanding all of the economics of that. I went through a lot of coaching. I went through, I was part of a Stanford university program to learn business essentials, like everything in the last three years, I feel like from 2020 to now, like, yeah, I like, pretty much got an MBA without getting an MBA, you know, like just had to learn so much stuff. Um, And again, the beauty of that is now being able to teach that back. But I would say we've always been, what I love about our team is that even in the midst of challenges, we're still able to vision and be innovative. And I think a lot of the times when we're challenged, we, we start to drown a little bit and that's when we lose design thinking. That's when we lose creativity. That's when we just can't like get to the next step because we're just trying to survive. So there have been moments in the last three years that we weren't and were felt were and felt that we were in survival, but we were still in that able to push forward with still creativity. And so I've been very blessed with our, with our team in that. And something that you guys will see this year, I'll give you a bit of a preview and potentially actually when this podcast launches, all of this will actually already be live is Imani collective. When we first rebranded, we did a rebrand back in 2017 
Um, and that's when we became kind of the kid brand that we are today. And right. so for a couple months back in 2017, we were called Imani Kids. We showed up at New York, called Imani Kids. And then that was only three months. It didn't get on any tags, like nothing. And then we immediately became Imani Collective because we wanted to grow and expand it to different sectors right. and whatnot. Right. That doesn't necessarily happen. We haven't really grown in different sectors. We've continued to niche into kids. So what's happening is Imani Collective um, and a I think you know this. I own a lot of other brands. I've actually changed and dissolved a lot of my brands to come under Imani Collective. And it's now become a company that owns four to five different brands. And we are now changing our kids brand to be back to Imani Kids. Later in the year, we're launching Sela by Imani Collective, which will be able to display all of our artisan like talent. So something that you guys don't see on our website is you just see kind of like hang signs and pillows and a lot of canvas material, but we um, have beautiful, like we do weaving and leather work. We opened our ceramic department just this month. Like we do a lot of really cool stuff that people don't get to have access to. So we are creating a brand called Sela. It's named after my baby girl and my farm. Hello. (laughs) And your farm. I know when you named your farm that I was like, so mm-hmm. Sela is a beautiful name and Sela, you know, is a representation of like pause and reflect. And I think just finding gratitude in, in anything, but we are designing that brand to be around the contemporary traveler. So all these things that I've had from Amani that you guys have never had access to, like our leather bags and our uh, like kimonos and just like all these fun things that I'm just so excited that we're able to, to be able to display in that brand. And another brand that we have is called Sukwa. It's a saddle blanket um, brand. I've had this brand since 2018. I started it because obviously saddle blankets that go under a saddle for Western writers does not necessarily fit into a kid's brand. Right. So we started it because we had this, again, beautiful access. We have over 30 weavers on our team and we, we really believe in regenerative materials and we're pushing into like being more eco-friendly and becoming more known as a sustainable brand and environmental standards over the next couple of years. So from the shearing of the sheep all the way to the loom, like we work with organic wool, we do that whole process. And a lot of people don't know that, right? So I'm excited in this next kind of stage of Amani is being able to share the intricacies of what's actually like all that we are, because it's been a beautiful journey of building our credibility and niching into the kids space, but I'm excited to now take it to the next level of like, yes, we have our kids brand. Yes, we have Sukwa. Now we have Sela. And so when you go to ImaniCollective.com by now, it will have all of our brands listed and then you can click into all of these different stores. And so through all of that, I would say the last three years have been growth challenges, kind of retrenching and restructuring as well. Um, but still in all of that, keeping a creative and visionary mindset um, has been the core, I think, of what has kept us alive, which is always challenging because when you start to be in survival mode, it's really hard to still vision. And I've been really grateful for a team that is just like high visionaries with me. So, well, I'm really excited about that. I'm selfishly very excited about your Sailor brand and I cannot wait. And, um, I'm just saying maybe I can throw an idea out there. Maybe we can collaborate on something. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. Jenny, I don't know. Okay. But I'm just, we're making time. We're making time. We're making time. (laughs) Um, but I actually really, you just said something that you, I think you probably just said in passing that I just, am like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's that whole, like when you're in survival mode, you have a really hard time 
being visionary. And um, and honestly, moment of like transparency here is that has kind of been me the last couple of months. So I finished my book manuscript in January. And since then, um, you know, I've obviously I've been like in the editing process, but you know, there was like a time, you know, I mean, you know, month, two months while you're waiting for your first round of edits and all that stuff. But I'd say I told my husband, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe two, three weeks ago where I said, I looked at him, I said, I'm in a funk. I'm in a creative funk. I'm in a mental funk. There has been a dumpster fire of things going on behind the scenes just in my personal life, um, you know, just with a lot of things happening and like uh, just felt like attacks left and right in a variety of era- areas. And in some ways, like I feel like I've kind of been in like this mental survival mode of trying to just uh, deal with the things that are coming left and right. And then, and, and I'm like, oh yeah. And that is why I'm like struggling to be and feel creative. I've, I've like, when I got my first round of edits for my book back, I just like sat there and I stood, stared at a blinking cursor for hours. And I was like, I can't, like, I can't focus on this. Like I can't edit it. Mm -hmm. Everything just sounds the same. Now I'm like, this is a terrible book. No one should read it. That's not true. Please read it when it comes out next year. But you know what I mean? Like you, you, your mind yeah. starts to spin and you, you're just, and so I actually talked to a friend who um, is a writer and I was like, am I, is this, and she was like, mm-hmm, totally normal. <laughs> she was like, this is yeah. totally normal. Um, and she's like, and you're now navigating like all these other things that are happening like behind the scenes and in your life as it is. So like, yeah, your brain is not capable of, <laughs> it's like you're juggling a hundred mental balls. <laughs> like, yeah, there's too many balls. Uh, I feel like yep. that's a. We should just cut that <laughs> audio and just too many balls. That's what I just yep. said out loud. I just said that out loud. Put it on an audiogram. We're just gonna put it on an audiogram. <laughs> too many balls. Yeah, and and all of us have had times in our lives where we've been that way. And you know, I'm not on the other side of this particular one yet. But when I look back and I have gone through those times, I, I am thankful for what has come out on the other side. And I'm ask, about to ask this question somewhat selfishly, is when you were in the midst of the just can't do it anymore, juggling the too many balls, what were some of the things that helped you personally to quiet yourself, to give your brain breathing room to vision or to dream or to create or I don't know. I'm, I'm do you, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, so the one thing that's been like, I feel like I've like literally just gotten out of it. Like it's been, cause I, I have been in and out of it more often in the last three months, just because so much heavy has happened as well. in this year, um, I would say just letting myself feel emotions has been one thing and being okay with like, okay, I'm going to have a stagnant day. Like if I'm going to like give myself a break, like there, there, I have, I will admit, admittedly say like, there have been days where I'm like, I'm just going to hide under these covers and this is what my day is going to be. Now the, now the thing with that is me knowing like, I can't stay there. I can honor that time and not feel guilty about it. Like I used to like, Cause that doesn't help when you're like in that moment. And then you're feeling like you're feeling all these other like emotions and that it's just like, let me just be in, be in these emotions. Um, but one thing that I realized is, um, even in my journal journal here, like I hadn't written down stuff 
well, like sometimes I have so much of, of a fog that, you know, I need to write it. I need, I truly need to write. So for me in this season and what has worked for me just in the last, like seriously month is I normally keep like very detailed journals of like running to do's or whatever to keep me organized. And I, I realized that in the midst of all of this in the last three months, I hadn't been doing that. And mm. I also felt that anxiety and whatnot. So yeah. I literally like was like, I'm just going to write it all down. Like I just need to write down what I have on my load. And then I need to write, you know, like where I feel maybe stuck and whatnot. But I also, to be honest, I had quit rhythms that kept me balanced and in line and aligned. So like my biggest thing is like health in both physical, mental, and spiritual. And all three of those this year, I had just like thrown off because I was like, there's too much going on and I have to clean this up and whatnot. And it was really in the last month that I was like, no, like one, I need to be grounded in some sort of scripture. I need to be at least moving my body. And, um, like how am I fueling my body and mentally? Like, I don't know, like my, like even having any type of quiet time. Cause I'm always inundated with chaos. Like my house is chaotic. Like read it in the book. Like I have 30 street boys that are, I call mine, you know, like these boys that are like my sons, just life is just a lot. And so I think I just had to feel the emotion and then find a way, like write it down and take one thing at a time. Um, but also the last thing is find someone that I felt comfortable with of like, walking alongside me. So one thing I haven't had in my life is like someone older than me or like someone like a wise Mm -hmm. older woman in my life. And I'm like, I, this is something I really need right now. And I was like, what is something like, I'm always pouring out. I'm always coaching. I'm always leading. I'm always whatnot. And I just need someone that I can, that can just be with me. I have business coaches. I always have coaches in my life, but I was like, I don't just have someone who is like, praying with me or sharing scripture or just walking alongside me, you know, in that way. And I really needed, I really needed to be reminded in that. Um, and that doesn't mean obviously the funk goes away. Um, but I would say adding those rhythms back in my life have felt like I have felt nor a bit normal in the last month than I had in the previous months of this year, because I was just like going, going, going my word of the year. I really focus on that. My word of the year last year was realignment. Mm. I spent a lot of time on that, like picked up pottery. I love it. Like, that's why we're adding, we added ceramics. I got wheels sent here. Like we're opening that studio here. And I spent a lot of that, but I haven't touched a wheel in a couple months. And I was like, why haven't I touched a wheel? Like I was doing pottery every other day, you know, like Mm. all of last year, you know? And I just like, because my word of the year was, I shouldn't manifest words was refinement and for my organization and wild for me. And it has been wildly over wildly refining year. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know why I manifested that. Like, why did, why did we do that? I want to go back to like my, I'm already saying next year, my word of the year is rest is going to be like mm, restful. Yes. And but yeah, I think finding those rhythms again and being like, why did I let go of those that even in the midst of all the chaos, like there has to be those rhythms or then it just gets like, super foggy. And so I'm finally seeing those clouds be lifted just in the last week, really, because I'm starting to like, okay, I just need to make time for this. And this is a priority, you know, that's such good advice and advice that I'm very much going to take to heart. And, and I like what you said, just about almost just having that opportunity to slow down and to force yourself to slow down in a way that you can wrap your head around whatever it is that you need to wrap your head around. Um, man, yeah, 
man, Jenny, I could have you on forever. I just love you and I adore you. And I, uh, the work that you do is so meaningful and, um, I'm really proud of you for doing all of this and for getting your doctorate and for writing your book and, oh, so good. I'm so proud of you. All right, Jenny, well, before we go, my last question is, um, a question that I've been asking all of my guests lately. And that is, what is the thing that just brings you the most joy? Uh, my daughter's laughter, I think. Oh, no, I know. Um, I love it. I, Sayla is my last, we know it's our, our last she's, we thought we'd have four, but we're, we're with three and, and we feel really, really, um, healthy with that. And so, um, I always kind of mourn that because I, I always thought I would have a fourth and I didn't really like slow down in her pregnancy. You know, I, I felt like I didn't like really get to like enjoy, I don't know the full process, but that anyways, all that to say, I could go into a whole tangent on that, but she's in a stage where she just like wants to be so close to mom and she's just in a fun, fun stage. And so that just like beautiful laughter, those mundane moments, I think is just like, that's what we live for, you know, not the busy or not the, even the accolades or the, the applause. It's just like being by the ones we love. And so that, that just like that laughter. And of course, as you know, Sayla, she was truly encompassed like Sayla me, you know, being in the Psalms and like the pause and reflect, like she was a COVID baby. She was born May of 2020. Um, I had really bad postpartum. Um, and I had to pause and reflect and remember, like she was just the physical representation of what I was going through at that time of like being grateful and pausing and reflecting. And so just her laughter is always, yeah, a reminder of that. So good. And honestly, that is so that is part of why we named our farm. We moved here and, you know, we bought this farm in December of 2020. And it was like, that was why part of I know when we... I saw you announce the name of your farm, I was like, I just like felt I cannot wait I to come visit it. I know. And like, I know. It was you, so exciting. Which you will, which you will. Um, we're putting that out there. Um, and yes. I, as many times as I've been to Kenya, have never been to Mombasa. I've never been to the coast. So um, I also am just like throwing it out there into the the world that I would just really love to, mm-hmm. to come see you again. Yeah, you I will one day. So much, so much. <laughs> um, all right. Well, for the listeners, how can they best connect with you? Obviously, we know that um, to get your book, and I'll have all the information for that. But what, where should they find you? Yeah, the best way across all platforms is Jenny Nuccio, and you can go to jennynuccio.com as well. Um, if you're in a space where you just need any help, like we're always there. We have tons of resources on there. And I think maybe back in the day in my podcast, one-on-one school of ethical impact was a company we had, which we still have. Um, It's just not as prevalent out there. It was morphed under Jenny Nuccio. So if um, yeah, you're just wondering what ethical impact means, what that is. um, Yeah. I'm always here for people who are really trying to figure out you know, who you are as a nonprofit or who you are as a business and like morphing that together. It's just a joy for me to, to work with people all over the world. So that would be, yeah, Jenny Nuccio, cross all platforms, come find me, come reach out. I'm the queen of voice notes. So if you DM me on Instagram, you will get a voice note back. I love that it. is my promise. You're the best. Jenny, thanks for being here. Thank you. I hope you loved this conversation with Jenny. I just adore her so much. Go get her book, Let It Be Wild. Go to letitbewildbook.com. You can find out all the information there. Follow the work of Amani Collective and everything that they're doing. You're just, oh, she's just such a joy. 
I would love to know what you loved about this episode. Please let us know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Can I Laugh Pod, wherever you get your podcasts. And would you take a moment to hit the subscribe or follow button or leave a review of the show? That really does help us to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. Thank you as always for listening. Thank you as always for your support. And thank you to the team at Third Wheel Media for producing the show. And now for you, I hope something this week makes you laugh till you cry. We'll see you next week. Bye.